Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. I want you to think about what we just did, and let yourself imagine for a moment the generations upon generations upon generations that have been doing this since Paul's day and before, right? Because Christ said, do this. Let yourself, let that little thought just kind of sink in as we start with this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. Um, before I dig into it, in case you got that little thought, I want you to think about this sermon today kind of like eating pepper jelly. Anybody ever had hot pepper jelly? Right? It, uh, like the cracker, I think sometimes you put the cracker with the, it's got like almost like a cream cheese. Anybody ever seen that? Or I think you guys put it sometimes in the dish where it's got the cream cheese and the hot pepper jelly on top and then you dip the, dip the shrimp in it, right? Got the shrimp all over. Uh, the thing I love about hot pepper jelly, and the reason why I think this sermon kind of reminds me of hot pepper jelly is because when I take a bite of hot pepper jelly, it's like jelly. It goes in. Like this is sweet. This is good. A little cool. A little refreshing. And then something starts to happen, doesn't it? Especially if it's a really good hot pepper jelly. What starts to happen after a few minutes? It's a little tingle, a little, little burn. Like, mm, and usually somebody says, well, that's got some heat to it, right? That's, <laughs> okay, so, so that's, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this passage. I'm thinking about that because I'm thinking, man, this is kind of like, like that. We've got some, it's going to start off a little sweet. You hear some things like, that's good. And, and maybe not right away, because some people it happens pretty quick, doesn't it? Put it in right away, like, whoa! You know, then you got some people that aren't used to really hot pepper jelly. They're like running, getting some milk or something, you know, slathering sour cream on their tongue or whatever they need to do. Uh, others, that kind of takes a little while, but then later on, they're like, especially after you've had several bites, even a little bit later, like, man, that's got some heat to it. And you're, that's burning. I can still feel it even now. So I think that maybe today might be a little bit like that. Okay? So I'm preparing you in advance. Um, so I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into a couple questions. After I get to these questions, we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians. So we go through, you're going to hear five things. So those of you who like to take notes, you're going to be five things with the word all that you're going to hear Paul talk about, five, five things. Then you're going to hear four things after that, and then we're going to get to one key piece of application. You ready for it? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do just thank you again for this day, and I thank you, Lord, for this, this tradition that we have that's been passed down where we think back and remember you and remember you, and again and again, every generation has done this that's followed after you. Lord, I pray that you help that thought to help guide us through what we're going to talk about this morning. Lord, I pray as well that you would let what's done today be in accord with your word. Or as we learned today in, in Sunday school, go to the source, Lord. We want to go to the source and look at your word and see what it says and, and see what Paul has written about. Lord, trusting that your spirit has guided these words to be preserved for us today. Lord, I pray that you help us to learn the lesson that we need to learn from this this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so now I want you to think very basic. Can we just pretend like you're not the smart theological people that you all are? Okay? Some of you, this will be easier than it is for others. Okay? So that was, I'm sorry, that was mean, wasn't it? I'm sorry. You guys are all very smart. 
So, so I want you to, I've been around these kids all week, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Knuckleheads. Um, all right, so uh, it, do, pretend for a moment you're not well ingrained with some church ideas, okay? And I want you to kind of think about uh, what it means, not those deep theological answers, but just what, what's it kind of mean to be a Christian, okay? Think, just kind of think about that. Now, I'm going to give you some thoughts here, and you see if you agree with me. I think one of the basics that most people would agree on would be that you believe in God, right? Believe there's a God. Yeah, I believe in God. Specifically for Christianity, I believe in Jesus as the way of salvation. I believe God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross, John 3, 16. Right? We start to get these basics. That's what it means to be a Christian, right? I think maybe, not with us, because you guys are all smart theological people, but I think people out in the world might think, well, if you're a really good Christian, you, you, I bet you get baptized, would you agree with that? Well, if you're serious about this, you're going to go get dunked somewhere, right? So you can get baptized or whatever, however they do that, okay? So you might think at least once in your life, some of us a couple times, right? We're going to get baptized. I think in connection with that, baptism, many people connect that, and I understand why. Many people connect the getting baptized with joining or becoming a part of a church. A lot of people, uh, even to this day, I'll meet people that say, I've never seen him in my life. Now, understand, I went to Edgewood as a kid, right? All the way through uh, from, like, what, five years old up to when I, up, up through college. Um, now I've been back. I've been a pastor now for 10 years here. Isn't that weird? Yikes. Um, been here for 10 years. And I will still have people sometimes in Danville walk up to me and, oh, we get to talk. And, oh, you know, I'm also the pa- pastor of Edgewood Baptist Church. And they go, oh, well, that's, that's my church. And I'm, <laughs> I've never seen you in my life. I don't say it like that, but I'm like, I, I, really? That's so interesting. I usually say, well, you should come sometimes. <laughs> Love to see you, meet you somewhere else besides Walmart. Um, but but it, it, what's happened most likely is maybe when they were a kid or maybe at some other point, maybe they were even baptized at Edgewood, the old Edgewood building. And so they still, to the, that's, the, that's my church. Right? And, and so they've connected those ideas. I think, and even, you take it up a notch, not with you guys, because you're smart theological people, but for, for a lot of other people, they might even think if they're being a really good Christian, um, they're doing what we just did here. They're, they're, they come regularly enough that they're partaking in communion. And I think in connection with that partaking, there's that partaking in the church, not just have connected with one, but they're coming to church. Okay? So I think that there's these ideas are going to be very important. They're going to play into what Paul talks about this morning. There's a connection. I'm doing the things that I need to do. Now, we could add some things to that. We could, we could take each one of those things, like the baptism and joining and, and taking communion. We could, we could expand it because you guys are all deep, smart, theological people. You could expand on those, right? Like taking communion isn't just, I took the bread and the cup. It's more than that for you, for many of you, isn't it? It's partaking in the body of Christ, participating. So we could even expand, like, because we know what these things represent. We could, man, baptism is more than just I got wet. It's, it means something more, becoming a part of it. See, all these things, they, they begin to develop. And so for you, I think even more than others, it, these things I'm talking about, are, man, that's important stuff that we're doing. Now, 
I want you to listen for, I'm going to click here to the first verse, and I want you, or it's actually the first four verses, okay, so I, I want to put them all at once. I'm going to listen for, look for on the screen the word all, okay? Now, before I click it up there, I want you to understand where Paul's going to go. Paul is going to, to illustrate a point. He's going to jump to the Old Testament, and there's some amazing ideas here. So if you always wonder about how do I deal with the Old Testament, what, that's all, what is that all about? Well, you're going to learn some of that today in the process of what Paul's trying to talk about. But I want you to mentally jump back. So Paul's going to jump back to the Old Testament, and he's going to talk about the children of Israel. Now, for your sake, I want you to think about it this way. In the in New Testament times, in our day, the people of God, we could use one word to describe the people of God. They are the... Church, good job. See, I knew you guys are smart theological people. <laughs> the church, right? That's the people of God, the church. That's what the Bible calls the people of God, right? Christians, the church. In the Old Testament, the people of God were the children of Israel, right? Oops, I don't know what you said, but I'm sure it was really good. Uh, probably smarter than the rest of us, right? Uh, so here you have in the Old Testament, we've got the children of Israel, and they're the, they're the, what we think of the people of God. And if somebody wanted to become part of God's people, they would uh, become proselytes and, and join the nation of Israel. They would become part of the people of God. So Paul's going to go, and he's going to illustrate something in our time, right? Which the Bible calls the last days. Because Christ has come. Everything's been revealed now, right? The last days. There's something about this, the people of God, how God deals with them, that we can still look back and see how did God deal with His people previously, and there's connections to how He still, still deals with us today. That's what this is about. <clears throat> so listen to the alls. And the first word he's going to start off, I don't want you to be unaware. So I think that you start to, this is where the heat starts to come in, right? The pepper jelly, Right? He says this, I do not want you to be unaware, taken off guard. I hate being unaware. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers, he's talking about the children of Israel, our fathers were all under the cloud and, and all passed through the sea and, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. Now, before I read that last phrase there, are you already seeing some connection between what he's talking about with the children of Israel that's similar to what we were talking about a minute ago with Christians today? Do you see some of those things coming through? Baptized. Did you see, did you see that in there? Um, do you see that ate the same spiritual food, drink the same spiritual drink? What's that kind of picturing? Isn't that what we just did a minute ago? There's something there, okay? Um, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, which that's a whole story by itself. Did the rock literally, was there a rock that was following them around? No, that's a kind of an interesting side story. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday a little bit. Um, that followed them, and the rock was, so who was this that was really working with the children of Israel all along? We get to know his name in a more personal way. That rock that followed, that provided that water that brought the manna, that, that helped them leave Egypt. Who was it really? What does it say? Christ. Wait, he's this guy over here. It was him all along. Me personally, 
one of my absolute favorite things about the Bible, the, the amazing Bible that we have. It was written by so many different people over ages apart. Is throughout the whole thing, you see somebody. You know who you see? Jesus. Paul's alluding to that right here. That, that, that was Christ. That, when when the, the rock brought the water out, right, for them, it was literal water coming out of an actual rock. Paul said, that's like Jesus. When the bread came from heaven, that was like Jesus. Not, not just that he, he's the one that did it, but the bread itself. And, and then you see Jesus over here saying, um, when he makes bread by breaking up a loaf, he, what does he say? He says, I'm the bread. And so you start to see all these connections. There's this, this overlapping, just ama- this is my favorite thing about the Bible is when you start to see that and just glimpse. And even now, I, I look at it and I go, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of all this book has to offer. Okay, I'm getting on a sidetrack here. So under the cloud, what is this talking about? When they all left Egypt, what, what's, what, what do you mean under a cloud? What is that talking about? You guys are going to have to participate today. Come on, you guys are smart. I already said you're smart. Yeah. Right, there was a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. So they're, they're under, they're following. I think that illustrates this, this passage, leaving from Egypt to go to the promised land, is just a beautiful picture of what it means to become one of God's people. Okay? So they, they begin to follow. They go, we're leaving, we're following. And God's leading us, right? So you see that all under the cloud. So this uh, uh, all passed through the sea. Okay, now Janie answered one, so she can't answer the next one. Well, all passed through the sea. What's that talking about? Yeah, right? So Moses, he's standing, Red Sea part, they go across on dry land. So again, illustrate, man, this deliverance. Okay, these examples are paid, uh, painted for us. And in fact, if you look at the passage, it says, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. So it kind of ties all these things together. And, it, and he uses this word baptized. Now, they weren't dunked, but as they went through, it's very similar. Paul's saying it's just like this. They, they're, they're, they're leaving this. They're coming to this. Okay? Um, how about this one? All ate the same spiritual food. What were they eating that God was providing? I mentioned one of them already. What, what were they eating? Manna from heaven. That wasn't the only thing. What else were they given? What's that? Yes, quail, right? The, God was providing meat for them. There's a story behind that one, too. I think there was some griping that went on that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, how about the same spiritual drink? Now, I already alluded to this one, so this one's not tough. Water from the rock, right? Did that happen just once? No, it happened more than once, didn't it? Twice. So, so these, these things we're looking at, and we're going, okay, and, and we start to go, this is a good picture of what goes on with God's people today, even as individuals. The whole nation, very similar to what happens to us as individuals. Okay? Paul Barnett, one of my commentators, said this, and I agree with him. He says, The experience of people becoming Christian believers was prefigured by the experience of Israel in her exodus from Egypt and her wanderings in the wilderness towards the promised land. Across the board, this is, this is what it's talking about. So if you're ever wondering, well, what am I getting here in this Old Testament, what can I get from this? It's more than just reading, oh, okay, this prophet said this. It's, it's hinting at something much, much bigger. And if you come at it with those eyes, you'll start to see it. As I read my Bible and I'm reading through the Old Testament, every once in a while, 
uh, I wish I could find one right now. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll read something, and I go, oh, that's talking about Jesus. And so I write off to the side, that's Jesus. <laughs> that's all I write, that's Jesus. And every once in a while, you see those things. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's talking about him. Okay? Now, I thought about having Ashley come up here, but since she's all the way in the back, I'm not going to make her do it. Um, ha- have you ever heard a song where somebody's playing a beautiful song? I should just make you come up here. Anyway. Oh, look, she's just so comfortable, though. I won't do it to her. Uh, it's like play, playing a song, and, and it sounds beautiful, and then all of a sudden they hit that one bad note. Bang! <laughs> right? Now, Ashley would have to purposefully do that, wouldn't she? We all know. She'd have to try to do that. Um, but it, I, could, I could do the bad note. I couldn't do this. Th- I thought about doing something to lead out, and I'm like, I can't do that. The keys aren't marked. How am I supposed to know? Um, this next word that's getting ready to pop up here from verse 5 carries that weight. All these people, all of them, the nation, they, they all went through the sea, didn't they? they? They all left Egypt. They all went through the sea. They all did this. They, they're all eaten of the same spiritual food. They're all, that's what Paul said again. All, all, all. How many alls did we hear? Five. All did this. All, 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 all. They all did this. Now get ready for the twang. I want you to listen for the twang in the very first word of this next verse. Nevertheless. Now, I'm trying to emphasize the significance of this verse. That word, nevertheless, um, one of my commentaries said the word that's translated that we use, the trans- some versions say, but, uh, nevertheless, the, the word that's translated is a word that carries more weight. In it, and one of them said it, it's hard to convey the shift with this word in the English language. It's hard to convey that. And so that's why I use the mental picture of nevertheless. I think it's the Greek word Allah or something like that. So it's nevertheless. Boom. They all did this, but... What does it say here? With, oh, I don't like that word. With most of them. With most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, to let you feel the significance of most, there were literally thousands of people that left with Moses. When you look at those Old Testament books, it talks about there's this many thousand of these people, this many thousand of these people. I mean, there's thousands of people that left. Of those people, do you know how many actually set foot in the promised land? My mommy's got it. Two. Two. So most is almost all. There's one passage of scripture that says their bones were scattered through the wilderness. Nevertheless, oh, but, they, but we were, they were all doing this. They were all doing this. They were all doing this. They're all doing this. You feel the heat a little bit from the pepper jelly? Because I think, and this is where Paul's going to go, I think that sometimes we start to think, well, I'm, 
okay, I'm believing in God. We're thinking, well, then we take it up a notch and we're, we've been baptized. We're going to church. We're going to church regularly. We're participating. We're becoming a part. And then we become smart theological people. And so what, then we see there's bigger significance with these things. And then we, then we know communion isn't just about taking the bread and the, the little cup, right? It's, it's about participating, partaking in the body of Christ. And then you start doing those things and we get these things and we're, we're doing these things. And, and all of us are doing these things. Nevertheless, for them, most, God was not pleased with. And they didn't make it to the promised land. Paul says next, now these things took place, just in case you were thinking, well, I don't see the connection with me. Paul makes it very clear. These things took place as examples for us. These Old Testament things took place as an example for us New Testament people. These things happened to the children of Israel are happening for the, the people of Corinth and the people of Danville, Illinois to learn something from. The Greek word that is translated examples here is the Greek word, literally, it looks like typos. doesn't mean like a misspelling, it, like a type. These things took place, it's a type, it's an example, it's a picture for us to look at. The true events that took place then serve as pictures for us to see how God deals with his people. I don't want you to think of these things as allegory where we can draw our own conclusions there are very specific things. They're types. And this, that's why that word example, type, is important. It's not, it's not just, oh, you can try to picture, figure out whatever you want to get from it. No, there's a very specific thing we ought to learn from this. There's a lot of other little things we can learn from. But there's something big here that we need to learn from what happened to them. That we need to apply to us. These, t- these things took place as an example for us. Why? He says that we might not desire, crave, some versions say lust, some say crave, we might not desire evil as they did. So the example serves a main purpose. What? That we might not desire evil the way did. That, now he's getting into what was going on. Why did many of these, though they were doing all the things they were supposed to do to, in a sense, why did they not make it? That word desire, like I said, sometimes it's crave, um, means yearning for or intensely desiring what God has placed out of bounds. Okay? I think it can go beyond that because the chief thing that God has set to be out of bounds is to desire anything more than Him. He's God. We're going to see that play out. Let's see where these craving, this desire, led the children of Israel. He says, do not be idolaters, as some, of, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. We might read that and go, that's not bad. I thought that was okay. It's alluding to something else. It's alluding to something that happened at the base of Mount Sinai. <clears throat> I want to say a couple things about this. 
the one that I find the most fascinating about that particular story is that when the children of Israel were at the base of Mount Sinai, Moses went up to get the law. What they did, now, what, what did they make? Yes, specifically a golden calf. What did they, and some of you are going to know this, I hope, what name did they call the golden calf? Hmm? Nope. Jehovah. They called, they said, when they set it up, he said, this is the Lord, and if you look at it, Jehovah, this is the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. To me, that's the most fascinating part of it. They didn't decide, sometimes you read it and they go, why would they worship a cow? No, they were, you know what they were doing? They were making God the way they thought he should be. We mentioned in Sunday school how often we do something similar. People start a sentence with, well, I just think that God is, I just think that, I just think that God, oh, that's all they did. They said, I think God's like this. And, and the best way we can picture is something that for them would be something that's about provision, a cow, right? Amber, milk, things that come from it. And so what do they do? They create God in the image that they think, they, they decide what God will be like. God is not happy. He's displeased with this. Beyond that, I want to share a quote from Stephen Um when it talks about idolatry. Because usually when we hear idolaters, oh yeah, idolaters. Well, we're not idolaters. Uh, We've got to start thinking about it that way, first of all. But think about it this way as well. Stephen Um says this. He says, idols are anything more fundamental um, that God for our happiness, more fundamental for us than, okay, I've done a typo here. Idols are anything more fundamental than God for our happiness, meaning, and identity. Okay, so it can go beyond the, what, what, what things do we want? They are inordinate desires for even good things, such as material possessions, a career, family, marriage, achievement, work, independence, a political cause, financial security, human approval, romance. All of these things are good in and of themselves. But what ends up happening for many people is that these created things become ultimate things. And when this takes place, they become functional masters over desires and ultimately idols in man's heart. So this caution, this craving led them initially to idolatry, and I wouldn't be surprised if for many of us it's done the exact same thing. I'll share one little one that uh, became obvious in my head. This was several years ago. I, one of the things I wanted was obedient children. Do you want it? Do you, do you think that's a good thing to want? Yeah, maybe. I found, and this was, like I said, this was several years ago. I found for a, a little stretch of time, I wanted that more than just wanting whatever God wanted for me. Here's how I identified that idol. When my children would disobey, instead of responding the way God had said, this is how you respond, 
And I tried to do, I, I voiced all those things. But in my heart, I was furious. And I suddenly realized, I, I'm, I want this to go more than I want to just do what God calls me to do. I have to say from, from just my own perspective, when that realization came, my parenting shifted dramatically. No longer was I furious. Now I'm not going to say I didn't get a little upset sometimes. But that was always tempered. I recognized it for what it was. And now suddenly this was opportunity to, for, for me to enact what God has called me to do in this role of parent. See, it's these kinds of things. We, we want them, and many times they're good things, but I think one of the, the clues, and we're going to see some more clues by what they do after this. There's kind of a progression here. The clues to the, these things having shifted from, this is a good desire, something I just want, to, to I, look, God has taken a step down, and I really, really want this. I think one of the biggest clues is, when, is how you respond when you don't get what you want. How do you respond when you don't get what you want? I really wanted that. How do you respond? Someone who has God as primary, you have Him. And if you don't have that, now sometimes it can be tough. Right? I appreciated Jerilyn's testimony this morning. Right? And I love what she said. I don't know if anybody caught it. She said, I've grown as a Christian. You know what she's talking about? Deep Theological understanding. Suddenly, this not getting into the doctor didn't look as big as it was. Suddenly, there's something else. God's in control. He must have a purpose. He didn't tell me what it was, but there must be a purpose. See that, that shift? That, that's an example of where, okay, you want a healthy child. So if he wants to be healthy, are those bad things? No. But if they rise up above, what happens? Idol. Idolatry. Listen to the second one. So there's the first one, where the evil desires have led. The second one is here, verse 8. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did. And then he throws in what happened to them specifically. And 23,000 fell in a single day. This is referring, Numbers 25, for those of you who like to take notes, uh, the Midianites is the story. I don't have time to go into the whole story. It was actually a plague that killed the 23,000 that fell in one day. But I'd like you to consider for a moment how often our desires lead people here. Maybe it's not this desire in and of itself. Maybe it's a desire for companionship or to not be alone has led many people Right? That desire, where did it go? It led to this decision that God said this is out of bounds. With the children of Israel and the Midianites, um, it was actually connected with idol worship. They saw the Midianites having a good time, and they said, we should go have a good time with them. This wilderness living has been tough. We need some relief from this. And they went and indulged, and in a single day, God said, boom. Now remember, these things happened as what? Examples. So if you go, how does God feel about sexual morality? How, how does he, how has he responded to this before? 23,000 in one day. 
Do you think God's serious about that? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. The next one says this, verse 9. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because it's specifically connected, but Paul said it's really Jesus back here, right? They were putting Christ to the test. But then I got to thinking, how did they put him to the test? I had to go back and look because I'm like, what? okay, put Christ to the, what does that even mean to put Christ to the test? I think you're going to be concerned. The pepper jelly heat's going to warm up a little bit when you read what they did that was putting God to the test. Numbers chapter 21 is where this story comes from. And I'm going to, I have up here for you verse 5. When the people spoke against God and against Moses, and listen to what they said. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? You know what putting Christ to the test is? Questioning God's motives. There's no food, no water. We, we, we loathe this worthless food. This isn't the first time that they've done something like this. This one struck a little too close to home when I was studying. I went back and I read this. And when I thought in my head, man, this strikes a little close to home. I literally thought in my head, this strikes a little close to house. <laughs> if you don't know, I'm trying to sell a house. Now, when we bought our new house, it... Man, we prayed, we're like, Lord, lead us, and, and things were working out, and the price, and everything was working. I was like, okay, God, you must be in this, so I'm not worried about this other house, you'll sell it. That was 200, almost 300 days ago, and I will admit to you, I have had several times in the meantime where I've said something a lot like this, where I said, why did you have us buy that? You're just going to put us in financial ruin. Why did you do that? And so I was studying this week, and I read that, and I went, ooh, that's a little close to house. <laughs> okay, how about you? You ever questioned God's motives? You're like, I'm doing what he told me to do, and I'm trying to do that, and I'm trying to, and I'm trying to make sure I'm doing all the, and then, and then this happened, and then it shifts. Why would you do that, God? Paul said that is putting Christ to the test. Is, the, is it warming up? Pepper jelly warming up a little bit? That's where it hit me. It, that's what happens when you do the pepper jelly, isn't it? You're like, hmm, it's getting a little warm. It's got some heat to it. And all of a sudden you go, whoa! <laughs> And then you have to go get the drink, right? Unless you're trying to act tough, you know, because somebody else is eating it and they're not responding. And you're like, well, I can't respond yet. And then the sweat starts to come out. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Okay. You just took another bite of pepper jelly here. It starts sweet. Let's see if it gets a little bit warmer because there's one more. Verse 10. Mmm. So not even getting to the point where like, why would you? Nor grumble. I like the word grumble. 
I also like the word that you see in the Old Testament often when the children of Israel were grumbling. There was a different word we, we usually see. Anybody know what it is? Murmur. I like both those words because the words, for me, they sound like what it is. When you're grumbling, see, it kind of sound like grumble, right? Or, but I love the murmuring even more. The murmuring. That's what it sounds like from a distance, isn't it? Right. This stinks. This is, this is horrible. This is, this is terrible. My life stinks. <laughs> Who's, who's guiding you through this life? Who's brought you to where you're at? Is it not God himself? <laughs> stupid co-workers. God put me with these stupid co-workers. Stupid family. <laughs> stupid kids. Grump, grump, grump. This particular one, Paul says, and we're destroyed by the destroyer. I think he alludes to it this way because it's referring to multiple occasions for the children of Israel. A few of them, Exodus 15, 16, 17, different occasions there, Numbers 11, Numbers 16. Is it heating up? Now don't forget how this started. I don't want you to be unaware. They were all doing what they were supposed to do. All participating in this path that God was taking them down. They were all here. Nevertheless, most were displeasing to God and don't enter into the promised land. Here's what that looks like. It came from their evil desires. It led to idolatry. Right? This heart idolatry. It led to sexual immorality. It, it led to questioning God, putting Him to the test. And it led to gripe. That's what it looks like. To, to have it all and not make it. Verse 11. Now, these things happen to them as an example. He says it again in case you're thinking, well, that was them. This is, no. These things happen as an example. Um, but they were written down for our instruction. Our who? Us, on whom the end of the ages has come. That's people that are living in this last day. These things that happened over here happened as an example. So we could learn something. Instruction. For who? For us now that are living here. And now we come to it. What does this mean? Here's the application. You ready for it? Verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stand take heed, lest he fall. Simple. Direct. Children of Israel, God led them out. Plagues, right? Got them freed. Crossed through the, the Red Sea. Baptized, Paul said, baptized into Moses under the cloud and the sea. Baptized in. They're partaking of this heavenly food and drink. God is providing for them. But yet, nevertheless, most don't make it to the promised land. 
Only two did. I don't want that. I don't know what it means exactly. How does this picture relate to, to this? What's the promised land? See, that's the question that popped up in my head. Well, what's the promised land? I'm going to suggest to you that that's the least important question. See, because if you start going, what's the promised land? If you come down on the wrong spot, you might say, well, the promised land is heaven. Right? You know, I don't think it's heaven. I think it's something different. I'm telling you right now, that's the least important question. It's kind of like when I'm in the dean's office and I tell a student, you gotta stop doing this or I'm gonna have to do this. And the student says, what does that mean I'm gonna fail? If I get suspended, am I gonna fail? That student has completely missed the point. Completely missed the point. The problem is that it comes back here. The, the behaviors for us, deep, theological, smart people, we realize that doing all these things, you can still miss out on something important. So if, you're cam- if you came here today and you're sitting here going, I'm fine. I mean, you're. Now, some of you I know are not. Some of you come into this church each week and you're like, I'm barely making it. You're not walking around going, I think I stand. I'm doing pretty good. You're like, I'm just barely making it. Lord, help me. And that's why you come. But if you walked in this church today and you think, I've got this. Those that think they stand, take heed. Take heed. You are primed and ready to fall and to miss out on the promised land. Do you want to miss out on that? As we were going through, if any of those behaviors started to, you started going, that's me. I'm, I didn't think I was an idolater, but man, I keep... Everything, I want everything. And when I don't get what I want, or maybe it was the sexual morality, like I have not been living the way I'm supposed to. Or maybe, maybe it's, uh, I've been questioning God. God does stuff in my life, and I'm like, man, what are you doing this to me for? Or, or maybe, you, maybe you're, oh gosh, maybe you're, maybe you <laughs> fall. Uh, take heed lest you fall. Uh, so so, so maybe, you're, maybe you're thinking to yourself, like, all I do is gripe a little bit. That was put in the same group with the rest. Maybe you're just walking around going, man, I just, maybe you're just going, the life I wanted, I'm not getting, and it ticks me off. Oh, man. You are in the wilderness, and I fear that you might miss the promised land, if that's you. Now, there's hope. I'm not going to give it to you right now. Because I think that what you ought to do is rest in the take heed. Now, I've mentioned the hope. I mentioned the hope. Because I know that you're smart, theological, deep thinking Christians. 
And you know already, you know the Bible is a book of hope. You know it's there. But we need to feel the heat, right, of the pepper jelly. We need to feel the heat of the heed. Take heed. So if you've been going through, you be careful. Be careful. Because look at them. They had all that. And they still didn't make it. Let's pray.